2: You're listening to Math and Magic, a production of iHeartRadio.
3: Radio is very instant. And so part of being on the radio is not being a celebrity, it's being one in the community and one of the community. And I'm always always trying to educate too. Every time I learn something, I want to bring it to people.
4: Welcome to this recording of Math and Magic special episode. We're at the National Association of Broadcasters, the NAB Conference. We're being recorded live in Las Vegas. This is the industry's brightest gathering together to celebrate a hundred years of innovation in media, broadcast, and entertainment. And our guest here today, Angela Yee, is a big part of that momentum. Angela was the founding member of the wildly successful Breakfast Club Morning Show along with Charlemagne de God and DJ Envy uh, that's heard on AMFM on the iHeartRadio app and ha- has anchored on Power 105.1 in New York City. It's also at the top of the charts on YouTube, and it's also one of the biggest podcasts globally. After more than a decade riding that rocket, Angela has just gone solo with her own midday show, Way Up, with Angela Yee. She is also the longtime host of her podcast, Lip Service. She's an accomplished entrepreneur, innovative philanthropist, and all-around great human being. Brooklyn-born, blessed with a great education, Brooklyn Poly Prep, Columbia High, Wesleyan College. She got her start in the music business before radio, and we got a lot to talk about. Angela, welcome. Welcome.
3: Uh, Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks, everybody who's here.
4: Before we get to the meat of it, I want to do a quick overview. I want to do you in 60 seconds, if you don't mind. You ready? Okay. Do you prefer cats or dogs? Cats. Early riser or night owl?
3: Early riser.
4: East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. City or country? City. Eminem or Wu Tang clan?
3: You can't do that. (laughs) I have to say Wu Tang.
4: Winter or summer? Summer. Salty or sweet? Sweet. Beach or mountains? Beach. Hip hop or rap? Hip hop. Coffee or tea?
3: Coffee.
4: Call or text? Text. Podcast or YouTube?
3: Podcast.
4: It's about to get harder. Favorite (laughs) TV show?
3: The Office.
4: Smartest person you know? Bob Pittman. Oh, good. I love that. (laughs) Favorite city?
3: Favorite city is Brooklyn.
4: Secret talent? DJing. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Writer. Favorite radio personality when you were growing up?
3: Angie Martinez. Ooh, I love that.
4: (laughs) Uh, Still share the airways with (laughs) us. Yes. So let's dig into you. We're at the NAB. Radio is in the air here. And when you think about our company mission is to give everybody in America a friend anytime, anywhere... We're licensed by the FCC to serve the communities, and indeed, we're there in time of need. Hurricanes, fires, pandemics, but we've also gone through some really tough social issues that we dealt with. Let's talk a little bit about your commitment to the community. I know you've been actively involved, have not only a big heart, but have a big platform. How do you see it, and what are some of the examples of some of the things you've done?
3: Well, I made a commitment really early that if I can get paid to go out and do things, I also want to make sure that I'm doing things that give back to the community at the same time. And so I feel like because I've been really fortunate to be in the position that I'm in, part of being successful and making money is making money to be able to help other people. And so that's always been something from early on, even when I didn't have much, time was always important to dedicate. And so when I go places, I always want to do everything. Like if I go to a children's hospital, I'm like, I want to come back and help. And so part of that for me is I know just showing up can mean a lot. And so I always tell people, if you can't give money, you can do a post. You can give time. You can do all of those things. And that's something that I've always believed in. Education's been important to me. I work with the New York Public Library, and I do a book clubs with students in the public schools. All of those things really do mean a lot. I remember doing a town hall with these young girls, and we were talking about the Me Too movement. And they were just talking about all of the things that they've been through, and everybody ended up crying. It was like 120 of us. And so things like that, I feel like if I have the platform that I have and I can go and talk to people and somebody can come up to me one day and be like, you know, I met you at this event and it really made a difference. That means more to me than anything.
4: So how do you think you're around the music business, too, which we'll come to in a minute. How do you think radio is different from all the other media and all the other forms of entertainment as it relates to serving the communities?
3: Radio is very instant. And so part of being on the radio is not being a celebrity. It's being one in the community and one of the community. And so I've never looked at myself as a celebrity. I look at it more like I'm just like you guys. I'm talking about the same things that you're talking about. I'm affected the same ways that you're affected. And so I just try to make sure and and I'm always always trying to to educate, too. Every time I learn something, I want to bring it Two people. So if I'm talking about like taxes are due, you know, we've done a couple of different um, episodes where we talk about taxes. I have a, a segment called Wealth Wednesdays. Part of why I did that was because growing up, I didn't get the financial education that I have now. It took me a long time to get there. And the earlier you learn those things, the better that you'll be. And so if there's anything tangible that I can give, like providing resources on the radio, that is the perfect platform to do that. I feel like radio is your friend. It's not like a movie or a TV show that's fictional. It's real life. And so I enjoy that aspect of it.
4: You've made a huge impact on culture. And before we get into some of those specifics, I gave you sort of the trick question in the beginning about rap and hip hop. Can you define for the audience here what's the difference between rap and hip hop?
3: Well, rap is really just the music aspect of it. Hip hop is the whole culture that comes with it. And so I feel like there's a lot of people that can enjoy rap music, but they may not be a part of the hip hop culture. Hip hop is all encompassing. And so I look at it as rap is just like a form of the music, but rap is a part of hip hop.
4: And so... Looking back on the last 10 years, talk a little bit about what you've seen the impact of the hip-hop culture on fashion, language, movies, music, books, TV, the whole Americana.
3: I think when it comes to the youth, hip-hop rap music is the most impactful music that people can feel like they relate to because that's where it comes from. It comes from being in the community. It comes from real-life struggles. That's why it's so important that people are like, did you write your own lyrics? or being able to relate to music more than in any other genre, right? When it comes to rap and hip-hop, it's like, this is real-life situations. And sometimes people can say that things are disturbing or it's not good for the community, but it's more of a reflection of what's happening. And so, to me, when people say that, it's like, okay, well, then that just means to me that there are things that have to change, you know? And it's unfortunate that sometimes we listen to the music and we're like, this is you know something that we could look at it is it's harmful to the youth but it's also a reflection of that and so to me that's kind of like a cry for let's figure out what can we do to make things better and by the way i also want to say hip hop is not just one thing, one dimensional. We have such a wide variety of representation when it comes to hip-hop. So I also don't like when people act like hip-hop is harmful because we also have hip-hop that's very uplifting and it's just multi-dimensional. So there's the struggle, but then there's also the successes. There's also the educational aspect of it. And so I just want to make sure that we embrace all of those things. But because I feel like there's such a microscope on it as it being real. That's why people really judge it more than anything else.
4: So let's jump a little bit to you. You interned at MTV in college. Um, you worked at a management company for Wu Tang clan. That's why I gave you the question. Um, just a a question I'm sure people listening to how on earth did you get such a cool job right out of college and such a cool internship?
3: Well, I went to Wesleyan University and part of what I learned in college was internships are so important. And another thing that I learned was when I interned, we had a career resource center. And so the first internship I had was at a label called TVT Records, right? And they also licensed like all the TV tunes, the cartoon music that you hear. And so when I did that internship, it was in the legal department. I did not care about the legal department at all. But I knew that in order for me to get my foot in the door, that was just a way for me to get in. And so one thing I learned was just get your foot in the door. And so I started doing these internships. I had an internship with MTV. And the person I interned for, he was the music manager. So he would present the videos that they would then have to decide what was going to air. So everybody wanted to get in with him. You know, I remember going to Puffy's studio back then when he was playing like Biggie's videos for him and they gave us champagne. And I was just interning. And I was like, this is amazing. Like the fact that everybody is kissing this guy's ass trying to get their music on their music videos, played on MTV. And so for me, internships in college were really important. Back then we didn't get paid. I know now interns like get paid and there's certain things that they can't and won't do. But I was like picking up dry cleaning. I was doing everything that I had to do as an intern. And I think it gave me like a really strong work ethic. And so when I graduated from college, I had an opportunity to work at either Columbia Records. But I was actually going to visit Wu-Tang. It was the same day that they were doing Summer Jam. And... I didn't even realize it. And they were like, come with us to summer jam. And the guy who I interned for was like, you know, we've been trying to find you. We wanted to hire you. This is when people didn't have cell phones and, you know, didn't have social media. And so I was like, OK, cool. And I turned down everything else because I felt like this was a better opportunity. My best friend was interning at Epic at Sony and the a and department, and she was like, Angela, take that job for Wu-Tang. They'll let you do a lot more because I'm interning here, and they're so threatened by me wanting to take their job that they're not letting me do anything. So go someplace where you can actually do things and get, you know, get work done, and that's why I took that job.
4: Speaking of learning things, there's a story that you went on the road as a manager, and you turned out to be a roaring success because you were good with money. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because there's a lesson in there somewhere.
3: So I ended up going on the road with Jiza from Wu-Tang. He had to go to Europe. At the last minute, his manager couldn't go. It was some passport issues. And so I had to get my passport same day to be able to go. And so I went on the road. And I literally, when we came back, had like a whole ledger down to the penny of um, what everybody got paid and what money we had left. And he had never gotten that before. And I just thought that's how I have to do things. And so he was so impressed by the fact that he got all his money that he was supposed to get. Everybody was paid what they were supposed to get paid and everything was correct to the penny that after that I just was his manager.
4: Wow, that's pretty good. What, what's a lesson in this, but both getting your jobs out of college and turning into a manager, what's a, what's a lesson that you think is applicable to other people in business?
3: I think that at the foundation of things, that hard work is the is the fundamental thing. I, I, I feel like a lot of times people see other people who are successful and they think it just happens or they think it's just relationships. You can get your foot in the door, but then what happens after that? And so for me, I've always been like the first person in the office, the last person to leave. That's what I was doing. And also honesty is important. And I don't feel like a lot of people are honest. I feel like money can... Get people to act very different when that gets involved. And then a lot of times people don't watch their own business the way that they should. I'll say that. And I've worked for a lot of artists who may not even know what's going on when it comes to legal things, when it comes to their accounting. And so they're always surprised when you can be really transparent, but people appreciate that it's rare.
4: So before we talk about your jump to radio, let's go back in time to your childhood. You're a fellow Capricorn. You grew up in the 80s and 90s, mostly Brooklyn, some New Jersey. Uh, Paint the picture of those times and your life and your family.
3: When I was young, and I actually grew up listening to the radio a lot. Z100 was my station and um, the Z Morning Zoo. That's what I used to listen to. And I feel like at that time, hip hop didn't have its own station. Like we would have a certain period of time that it would air. And we had, you know, video music box. And it's great to see like Ralph McDaniels doing his documentary because there were certain times that we could see it and hear it. And we didn't have streaming. So if you wanted to hear something, you had to literally record it with a cassette. And so I would do that. Like there were certain times that certain radio shows would come on and I would make sure that I recorded it because you don't know when you would hear it again if you didn't have a chance to do that. And so that's how I grew up. Just in Brooklyn. I'm from Flatbush. It's a very Caribbean community. So we grew up with a lot of soca and a lot of dance hall and reggae music and a lot of of the um, block parties. Those were always like my biggest highlights growing up when we had the block party. And so all of those things. And I just remember, I went to private school. I went to Poly Prep. And that was after going to a program that was for underprivileged youth who were... uh quote-unquote, gifted. And so I I had to test to get into this program, and that's how I ended up going to private school.
4: Prep for Prep.
3: Yeah, Prep for Prep. And it's a great program, you know, because it's free, and they really give you the resources so that when you go to a private school or, or get ready for college, you learn things in advance. And it was really instrumental for me because I also got to meet a lot of kids from outside of Brooklyn. I was very in my neighborhood. And so I feel like that was really instrumental in opening up my eyes to a lot of other things. And then going to private school was different for me. That's when I started really playing sports. Um, You know, I learned a lot just from even going to poly prep, having smaller classes and the impact that that had. I wanted to be a teacher at one point after that experience. I did this whole urban education semester in Washington Heights when I was in college, but just because I understood how much great teachers can impact your future. Because I've had great ones and I've also had terrible ones. And so I've always understood the importance of that too. But that was going from public school to private school and learning those things, having the smaller classes, having more attention.
4: So you have, I think anyone who knows you would say you have enormous self-confidence. You have a lot of healthy ambition. Where did that come from in your childhood?
3: I don't think that I always had a lot of self-confidence. You know what? I think I took the biggest risk in my life when I was always at my lowest. And um, that's something that I can appreciate that I did. It would be like the worst time for me. And I'd be like, I I have nothing more to lose. (laughs) And I feel like that's the time that you're supposed to take those risks, right? When you feel like, well, it can't get any worse. And that taught me the worst thing that can happen is that something doesn't work. You know, it it doesn't work the way that you intend it. And I would hate to not try. And so for me, I've always like put my all on the line. I have things that go wrong every single day all the time. And somebody was just telling me if the things always went right, then life would not be interesting. So my life has been extremely interesting with all the things that haven't happened the way that they should. Even this last week, like I've had all kinds of things that sometimes it's hard for me when it's not in my control. Um, when you have to rely on other people to make deals happen and make things happen and they don't hold up their end. And then now you're left like, what am I going to do? But I've also learned from that is it's kind of like betting is not to put everything on the line always, right? Only put out what you can afford to lose. And so that's something that I always live by, too. If this is something that will devastate me, then I just can't do it. But if I feel like I can afford to, if this doesn't happen, make this be a learning lesson, I look at it as like an investment into my education. We paid a lot to go to school, so it's okay if I lose sometimes. It's an investment.
4: More on math and magic right after this quick break.
2: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
4: Welcome back to Math & Magic. Let's hear more from my conversation with Angela Yee. It's time to make the jump to radio. You're in the Radio Hall of Fame. You've won numerous awards along the way in your radio career. Uh, Tell us the story. How did you make the jump from, you sounded like things were going really well in the music business, and suddenly you jumped to radio
3: actually came from marketing. And I think marketing is a great tool, you know, to be able to do anything in life, to be able to market yourself. So I was doing marketing. I worked for Eminem's clothing line. And, you know, we all got laid off from that. And so I took a little time. I had worked my whole life up until then. I was, you know, my whole life. I was 28. But You know, I had never had a break. Like, from when I first was in college up until then, I've always had a job. So I said, let me take a few months just to, like, sit back, get this unemployment that I've been putting money toward, and figure out what I want to do next. And I actually went on Hot Jobs on Yahoo. And I saw a job opening at Sirius. And I was like, this sounds interesting. It was in the marketing department. And I called up Eminem's manager, Paul Rosenberg. And I said, Paul, you know, I really want to try to see if you can just get me an interview in the marketing department. I can take it from there. So he set up an interview. But he also said to me, Angela, would you want to try to audition for the morning show? We're looking for someone. And so I ended up auditioning for three months and um, eventually getting the job after a great interview with Jay Z.
4: One of your hallmarks on the air are the interviews you do on satellite radio, certainly on Power and on the Breakfast Club. What's the secret to doing a great interview?
3: Research. I think bring, being prepared is one of the biggest secrets. I've had people say, oh, I like to go into an interview and just ask questions like I don't know anything, and I don't feel like as somebody who's in the position that I'm in, I should approach things that way. I like to do research because I feel like it respects the person who you're interviewing. And then it also makes for a better conversation because sometimes interviewees aren't the most talkative and maybe they're a little irritated. They've been answering the same questions nonstop. And when you do research, you can actually impress them with oh okay i haven't had a chance to talk about this or i would love to elaborate on this and i think it's a respect thing and so i feel like when i'm well researched and i and i do an interview it always is way better and people appreciate it so much and so that would be my cuz there's been times early on when something might come up last minute and i'm doing an interview that i didn't anticipate and i don't like doing that at all because i never feel prepared it makes me feel flustered and sometimes a little silly and foolish and so i would say research
4: do you have a favorite interview?
3: I would have to say, well, of course, Jay-Z, because that's what got me my first job in radio. When I walked out of there, they were like, you're hired because that interview was that good. But, um, you know, I mean, so many. I, I guess we get to talk to so many iconic people all the time. Sometimes it's people you wouldn't expect. Like I interviewed J.B. Smoove once, and I really enjoyed that. Obviously, I had like a August Alsina interview that a lot of people saw <laughs> that um, was a big deal because that was the whole Will Smith you know, Jada thing during the pandemic. Um, Tiffany Haddish, when she first was in Girls Trip, I enjoyed that interview. I just like people who are really open and honest. And even on my podcast, that's a whole different type of interview, but I enjoy those also just because it's kind of off the beaten track and you never know what people feel like getting off their chest.
4: When you're speaking of getting it off your chest, you have a feature on your show now, which is about people telling their secrets. Can you tell us a little bit about it? It's a great feature.
3: Yeah, so this is really, like, I think has been a hallmark for us. It's called Tell Us a Secret. And people call in anonymously, and we don't judge. That's the main thing. We are like, it's no judgment, and they tell us a secret. And so people have called in to tell us all kinds of things. One guy has a secret family in the Dominican Republic. You know, we're not judging him, but we don't know if those are his kids because he never got a DNA test. There's somebody who stole a car in the 90s, and he still feels bad about it to this day. And so it's a great feature just because, you know, we sit there and we don't judge you. We let you say whatever it is that you have to say. We ask whatever questions. And then that person hopefully feels a little relieved afterward.
4: So I want to jump a little bit to the another side of you, Angela Yee, the entrepreneur and business person. And also, by the way, a generous, we've already talked about it, philanthropist. Tell us a little bit about some of the businesses you're in, Juices for Life and some of the other, I know you're doing real estate and some of the other things.
3: Well, my first ever brick and mortar business was Juices for Life, which is a, a juice bar in Brooklyn, which we're renovating to make a coffee shop slash juice bar because financially, it's been a lot dealing with like the cost of, of fruits and vegetables. So I've had to diversify what we offer in there. Um, from that, I started a pressed juice business called Drink Fresh Juice, just because people would come in all the time and were like, how can I get this? You know, where I live. And so that's been doing well. And then I launched um, Coffee Uplift People, my own coffee company, which, by the way, will be in Target starting in June. So I'm excited to make those things happen. And I'm very hands on with it. So I literally will like go to restaurants. You know, we're in the grill in Brooklyn. We're in Tatiana's. Um, in Manhattan, uh, Brooklyn Chop House. Like I would literally go to restaurants and ask to talk to the person. I'm very hands-on with my business. And so one thing I did learn too was even just talking about my business. I like to know as much as possible. And so that way people don't look at me as just a face or somebody who's endorsing something. I'm super involved in all of it. And so I have a hair store in Detroit also. And I do real estate. I just got my first Airbnb property last year in upstate New York. I'm closing on a deal this week in Detroit, a 30-unit building in Midtown. That has been really difficult, but that's like my biggest project to date. And then I have a condo in Williamsburg, two brownstones in Brooklyn.
4: So how did you learn this? (laughs) I mean, this is, you've gone through your history and nowhere in there did you say you had an MBA or you did business training. Where did this come from?
3: You know, my first house, I really bought a house because my best friend bought a house. Uh, Her name is Santi Gold, and she's an artist also. We were roommates. We went to college together. We were roommates there. We were roommates after college. And when she was looking for a house in Brooklyn, I went with her. And she was like, you know, come with me to look at this house. And I learned a lot just from being with her and, like, going on these trips. And I was like, okay, this is so exciting. My best friend's buying a house. I want to do that too. And so I started really actively, like, saving, taking on side jobs just so I could get enough money for the down payment. And so once I bought my first house and got that out of the way, I felt like, okay, it was a two-family house. It it was a very practical purchase. My realtor told me, when you buy a house, this is not your one and only dream house. This is your first house. You know, it's an investment. And that was something that really stuck with me, like, to this day. Is this a good investment? And that was the first house that I bought. And then after that, I bought a couple of properties in Detroit and flipped those. And then I used that money to go and buy another I bought a condo in Williamsburg that was a great purchase. And then after that, I was just like, okay, I have money coming in from these other things that I've done. And I never like to have money sitting in the bank. I feel like it's not working. I've seen interviews where people are like, I still have, you know, all this money that I don't touch that I get from these other streams of income. But with the way that interest is and, you know, with the money that you're not making because you have money sitting in the bank, I learned really quickly that my money has to work. And so every time I set a goal for myself and once I hit a certain goal, it's time to invest in something else.
4: So you self-taught.
3: Yes, Google, yeah, the YouTube that's, that's Academy. A, by,
4: by the way, it's pretty impressive. I mean, Google gets a lot of credit here. <laughs> you also t- flip this around, too, in your 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 Wealth Wednesdays when you do the free financial uh, services and education for people. Talk a little bit about it because you started that actually live in, in, in your juice bar, too, right? Yes,
3: yeah, so I met Stacey Tisdale, and she worked for the Wall Street Journal. She was on the floor at the NASDAQ, and I learned a lot from her. And I always feel like empowerment comes from financial freedom too, right? That's something that is really important for our community. And so I told her, I was like, I would love for us to do something like on a consistent basis. And so we strategized and came up with Wealth Wednesdays. We started doing that in the juice bar. And at first we didn't make any, it was just free. Like we had different people coming through. The small business services came through. They bought their RV. People were able to sign up for services on the spot. They got to meet the commissioner, ask whatever questions. And then from that, you know, we did certain um, things about like relationships and money and credit scores. And then we started monetizing it. And we were able to bring in people who actually, you know, wanted because we wanted to be able to offer free services, but it was also costing us to do that. And so the one thing that I like to do is give it to you for free, but make some of these corporations pay. And I think, you know, that is a, a really good trade off for them to get That And so we've done a lot of things with different corporations. Google has come in a few times to talk about like Google AdWords and how to really support your business with Google and let you know how inexpensive it can be, but how to do it right. And I just want people to have, like I always say, tangible things that they can walk away with and understand and learn.
4: So let's do some quick topics. Work-life balance. What does it mean to you? How do you do it?
3: Well, I work a lot, but I like to bring my friends with me sometimes. So say I'm going, you know, to do something like an appearance somewhere, if it's someplace fun, then I'm like, okay, who wants to come with me? Let's make this a whole trip. And then I also try to make sure that, and I just said this, I know I'm launching this new show, Way Up with Angela Yee, but I always, I just told my producer, I said, I need just one day a week where I don't have like a packed schedule. And that way I can handle personal things that I need to do. Because it is really important for me to be there for my family, like my cousin's getting married, I'm like, okay, block this off. So a lot of it is just about scheduling and making sure that just like you schedule work, you have to schedule that time.
4: AI, helpful or scary?
3: Scary. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that it's important to understand and to be involved because you also don't want to get left behind, right? And so it is something that is scary, though. And I think a lot of times when things are new and different, they're scary. And just from what we've been seeing, it's like, man. But at the same time, I'm like, I could probably get AI to come in and do my show.
4: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You got to have a little more time off. (laughs) The um, post-pandemic life, how do you think it's different?
3: I think people's habits are different. You know, a lot more people are working from home or doing like a hybrid situation. I feel like we, um, as employees, have a lot more leeway as far as being able to negotiate things because you know as a business owner myself I know how hard it's been to find employees now so a lot of times we're offering things not just financial things but quality of life things to make people feel like this is a community I think that people are more interested in self-care a lot more interested in their own mental well-being also which I think is a positive thing Um, and people's habits are just changed, you know? So even with radio, a lot of people listen on the podcast, I feel like. And so it's great. Like I said, we talk about AI and people being scared, but the same thing with podcasting people feel it's important. I think like even with iHeart, how iHeart has really embraced it early on, you know, because if not, you get left behind.
4: Music. What's next?
3: Um, I think... The way that we've been going is, you know, people have been putting out singles and projects. And um, it's not just like putting out an album. People, people don't even say albums anymore. They'll be like, I put out a project. And people are also really, I think, back to visuals. You know, that's important, too, because right now it's so we're so inundated with, with things that we can possibly listen to and different regions and everything, and, you know, the ability to not have to go and see somebody in person somewhere, that um, experiences matter so much more. So now it's like, how can I be more creative and make sure that I stand out from everything else that's happening? Because there's a lot of noise that people have to separate themselves from. So fundamentally, like, it has to be amazing, but then how do you support that, and what do you do for your fans to show them that, okay, you know, I'm giving you X, Y, and Z also on top of this
4: last point here, opportunities for young people and those who've been historically disenfranchised. What's the future?
3: I think um, with leveling the playing field and having access, that's important. I think there's a lot of programs that are available too that people really have to make sure that they seek in order to be able to um, have these opportunities. And I just feel like if you can be really creative and consistent, okay, and also just respectful of your audience, that you can definitely have um, a future and blow up. You know, I feel like sometimes people who have been really privileged aren't taking advantage of the things that, um, you know, that that's available to them because they don't have to struggle in that way. But with the kids nowadays, I mean, my godchildren know way more than I do. I'm asking them for help on like, (laughs) how can you do this and how can you do that? And so it's just a great opportunity. But if you're on your phone all day or your kids are on their phone all day, And you see that they can be actually making money off of that. There's people getting paid to play video games, you know, to go on Twitch, to go on all these different platforms. And so instead of doing things that is a waste of time, figure out how you can actually monetize that. I think there's so many great apps when it comes to investing, when it comes to different things and kids are on their phone. So we just have to make sure that we're marketing to them, you know, in that way, but also being really responsible.
4: So a little advice somebody's listening today they want to be you on the radio or you as the business person entrepreneur what advice would you give them
3: well first don't want to be me (laughs) because i think it is important to know who you are and what makes you different from everybody else and really stand on that and then it's all about hard work and being consistent and don't look at what other people are doing and think i want to do it just like that you have to think okay how can i create my own lane And how can I also educate myself? I'm a big fan of like taking classes and things. Like we said, I'm doing a lot of real estate. Well, I'm getting my real estate license just because I wanted to take the courses to understand it better, to make sure that I can be an expert at it. And that's why like even with um, Robert Greene's book, Mastery, I always talk about that book. But anything that it is that you want to do, make sure that you're researching it. There's too much information out there for us to not educate ourselves to the highest level on something. You know, it's, People dibble and dabble in things, but if you really care about something and you want to go really hard, I'm a big fan of making business plans. Every time I want to do something, even if I'm not using the business plan, I will sit down and write a whole business plan for myself so I can set clear goals and then always go back and revise those and refresh those.
4: So if you could give some advice to your 18-year-old self, what would it be?
3: Um, Should have bought some property earlier when it was really (laughs) cheap. (laughs) Because I definitely had times in my life where I might've had like a little chunk of money and that could have bought a bit of down payment on something, especially back then. And so, um, investing early at an earlier age because, you know, I didn't start my Roth IRA until I was older, my 401k, all of those things just to prepare for the future. The earlier you do it, the better.
4: So we usually end every episode of math and magic with a shout out to the greats of the math side and the magic side of marketing and business. But because uh, we're here today at the NAB conference, we're talking about radio. Give us your shout out for your mentors, heroes, and role models in radio.
3: Definitely Angie Martinez. You know, I said that earlier, but I just remember listening to her on the radio, how personable she always was, how as a woman being in the field that she is in hip hop, there weren't a lot of us that were representing in that way. And then also her morals, right? She never was like a shock jock type of person. And she never cared about like, okay, I'm gonna have this moment and not care about another person. So that's something that I've always looked up to her for the way that she's conducted herself, conducted her interviews, had the longevity that she's had.
4: That's fantastic. Well, Angela, you are an inspiration to many people. Uh, You do a fantastic job on the radio. Uh, You are affecting culture, driving culture. um, And as well, you're a successful business person. Uh, Congratulations. Thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you. Here's a few things I picked up from my conversation with Angela. One, get your foot in the door. When you're just starting out, take any opportunity that's given to you. Angela considers college internships to be among her most valuable experiences. Don't underestimate those small jobs. They could be the biggest boost to your career. Two, do your research. These days we have so many resources at our disposal. If you have an interest that could become an exciting new venture, or a meeting with someone new, become an expert first. Knowledge will put you one step closer to success and strengthen your connections. Three, create your own lane. If Angela's just a successful radio host, that would be enough. But she's positioned herself as a host, entrepreneur, and philanthropist to make a path that's wholly her own. You don't have to be one thing. Follow all your passions to achieve a career that's unique and satisfied. I'm Bob Pittman.
2: Thanks for listening. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. The show is hosted by Bob Pittman. Special thanks to Sydney Rosenblum for booking and wrangling our wonderful talent, which is no small feat. Our editor, Emily Marinoff. Our engineers, Jessica Kreinchich and Bahid Frazier. Our executive producers, Nikki Etor and Ali Perry. And of course, Gail, Raul, Eric, Angel, Noel, and everyone who helped bring this show to your ears. Until next time.